Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of For What It's Nerd. Today we are discussing the uh, beginning of Bad Batch Season 3. Uh, there's a lot to discuss actually. Um, most positive, which is is nice for me because a little bit of backstory if you guys haven't watched previous episodes where I've discussed the Bad Batch. Not a big fan of them. I wasn't a big fan of them in their intro episodes in Clone Wars Season 7. Wasn't a huge fan during Season 2. Season 3 was... Um, sorry, Season 1. Season 2 was a little bit better. Season 3, so far, I'm actually really enjoying because I feel like now they've hit their stride. Um, one thing I'm kind of likening this to is the change in quality and uh, uh, kind of meter of storytelling that happened in Rebels. Now, don't get me wrong, I did enjoy Rebels Season 1 and 2, but I feel like Season 3 and 4 just really amped it up. And I feel like that's what's going to happen here with Bad Batch as well. Um, you know, previously I found that the Bad Batch episodes were better when the Bad Batch weren't in them, a la the uh, Ryloth, Ryloth, Ryleth, Ryloth arc um, last season. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of was, I was kind of dubious going into this season because I know a lot of people think Bad Batch is really good. There's a lot of people who really enjoy these characters and I'm glad that they do. It doesn't really mesh with me quite as much as those people, but I still want to enjoy it, especially because the story is gearing up to be part of the bigger picture going forward, or rather, that has already preceded it. Um, and by that, I mean the uh, what is very much more the focus of this season, Project Necromancer, uh, which is, of course is kind of um, the what will lead into Palpatine being resurrected in uh, Rise of Skywalker, the final uh, Skywalker saga movie. Um, so really this show and Mando to an extent and a few other mediums have been trying to explain the kind of plot holes surrounding the return of Palpatine in episode nine. Um, and the thing with this show and what's really annoyed me about Bad Batch, I feel like if they just went in and said, hey, from the top, this is the plan. This is what's happening. Palpatine wants to do X, Y, Z. That's why he's doing this. That's why he's got these people doing this. And it was just from the get go boots on the ground let's do this i think i would have enjoyed bad batch a lot more i also feel like what i the reason i enjoy it more now is because they've lost people things have happened to these characters that makes them less the generic um archetypal characters that they were like the, the leader the the bruiser the the cool calm ed, edge of the group type guy the tech guy like they were very A team. They were very that type of squadron. Your usual characters that you have in that scenario, and like, uh, uh, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy that it was just. It was just like they were, they were a plug and play type archetype, and it didn't didn't mesh with me. You know, we've had clones before that have been really intriguing, and they have their own reasons for being. Cut uh, Quain comes to mind. Rex, Cody, even though they're all clones, they have their own personality. Uh, even in the first few episodes of Clone Wars, even chronologically, even more so chronologically speaking, because it's one of the first episodes. Um, the the guy I forget his name now. The guy who uh, works with Ventress against the um, against the Jedi and the clones on Christophsis. You know, there are there are a lot of clones that have had they're kind of uh have been intriguing uh in their own way and i feel like the bad batch they were meant to be this set apart group and they were the least they were the most clone like in nature if that makes sense the most kind of like hey this is my kind of this is my patch um my bad patch sorry it was right there i had to um 
anyway uh i think that's changed now because last season obviously spoilers if you haven't watched season two but why are you watching a review on season three so far if you haven't watched season two questioning your life choices there but um you know the loss of tech which is obviously going to be a very important part of the season actually changes the whole group dynamic crosshair changed a little bit of that in, in season one um tech changes that hugely in season three because tech kind of really held the group together in a lot of different ways and you don't quite see that on the surface because you think it'll be um oh my gosh his name isn't coming to me right now not wrecker not crosshair not not tech oh my gosh why is it hunter hunter so i i feel like hunter you think he's the leader of the group right but um i i think tech had a lot more of that kind of um cohesiveness for the team because he would be the one who would get the plan together he'd be the one who kind of just let them kind of um played out to their strengths etc right so his loss and it, it being an actual death as well which I, I really did applaud last season um means a lot it, it means that you've lost tech but you've also got these other characters who are reeling from that in different ways um you know for You've got um, Omega, who Omega, however you want to say it, um, who's not wanting to lose another brother. You've got Crosshair, who is very, very remorseful for all the things he's done previously and understanding what this empire is now. And then you've got Hunter and um, Wrecker. And I'm really, I really hope it is Hunter now because I'm panicking in case it's wrong. I think it is. Yeah. Um, you've got Hunter and Wrecker who are looking for um, Omega because they know they can't lose someone else because they've lost... They've kind of lost a lot. If you think about it, this show has seen them lose Crosshair as a brother. Yes, he's still out there, but lose him. Then Echo left them. Then Tech died. And now they could potentially lose Omega. So Omega, again, however you want to say it. Um, I'm going to say whatever comes to mind next to stop apologizing for it. But um, so there's a lot going on in this season already. And then what they do is, and I think this is actually a really good way of doing it. They didn't make an explosive first episode. They made this really subdued, really kind of dim dark episode that was kind of about like hey omega is never getting out of here and obviously we know that's to be untrue because we know this story is going to evolve and change and things will happen but this idea of kind of showing this oppressive system kind of up close and personal was actually a really nice touch so that was a great first episode and it really took the time to understand omega's situation to understand the imperial situation to understand um hemlock a little bit more as a villain and Nala say as like this kind of is she with us? Is she against us? And of course she is again. She is with Omega, but we know that she's not. Um, she's not necessarily a wholly moral character as regards the Clone Wars. We know that she is able to play. Um, I was going to say play a devil, but that sounds a bit weird. But you know what I mean. She, she can be um, a little bit more, a little bit more rogue when she needs to be. So interesting to see her dynamic going forward as well now season i'm um, sorry episode two i actually really enjoyed now a lot of people would sh kind of suggest episode two was more of a a filler episode and filler has become a word that is used far too often now it's anything that isn't like directly action 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 or the or like a few main characters interacting like it, it, it's stupid filler is an episode where it doesn't matter to the overarching narrative you could cut it out and it wouldn't matter this episode um i think falls closer to that in a way because it feels like 
if I were doing this personally, I would have had the episodes the other way around. Like, change the shoe story, bite beats, but I would have had episode one, three, then two. And kind of really have, like, the opening segment of the show be about Crosshair and uh, Omega. And the threat of Palpatine, etc, etc. Really set up the season strongly. And then move over to Hunter. And, and everyone would be like, what's Hunter and Wrecker doing for those first two episodes? Desperate to know. Um, but what I'm, what I'm supposed I'm trying to get across here is that um, episode two was actually really good uh, because it displays, again, kind of the displacement of clones, not just, and this is something I actually thought was really interesting, not just at the level of like, hey, this is a fully grown cl- clone brigade, band, squad, whatever. You have these clones who are actually still young because they would have been producing clones right up to the end of the war. So you have these clones who aren't fully through the, the maturation process, uh, and they're voiced by um, the actor for Boba, which I'm forgetting right now, but from the um, from episode two. Uh, why am I forgetting names right now? Attack of the Clones. I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. Sorry, really bad. But like their voice from... And like, so there's a lot of... Uh, intelligence putting into this to say like no let's really discuss this if we're going to go into how the clones are dissected and used and changed and dealt with and replaced like let's do it properly and i really like that those two characters kind of came into it because you almost get this sense of a familial vibe now you get this you've got these two new clones and it looks like they're going to go off and and be elsewhere but even still they're probably going to come back in a later part of the season maybe as like a final ditch effort against the Empire. And it's going to be nice to see like this almost generation of clones. You have Omega, you have these clone cadets, and then you have like, we've seen them at different stages already in the Clone Wars with the clone cadet episode with Boba in it, actually. But it's going to be really nice to see um, see those characters progress as well and seeing this level of like, hey, um, let's, let's, let's really get, dig into this if we're going to do it. Um, I think I'm making sense. I think I maybe lost my point a little bit in that. Um, but that happens sometimes when you're discussing live without a script. Um, but yeah, so that was a very interesting episode. I th- was interested to see that there's kind of this suggestion of like these vine creatures as well. Now, I might have lost some implication in this because at first I was like, is this sort of linked to the Zillow Beast? And I don't think it is now that I'm thinking on it again. But I'm wondering if they're kind of maybe borrowing from the Drengear in the High Republic. And that'll be really interesting as a concept for them to have revived the Drengear to some degree. Because that's the Maxine station is still out there because that was first used actually in a comic from the um before the Rise of Skywalker or just after that basically recounts how Snoke recruited Kylo, which Snoke is a clone of Pop well, maybe not a clone of Palpatine, but a clone for Palpatine to use to puppet. So um are we going to see the Amaxine Station? Is there a chance, chance that the Drengi are kind of slightly involved in Season 3 of Bad Batch? I don't know. But it just seemed kind of interesting that there's this living set of vines that are a problem that are being worked on as a project. Just a thought. Um, but yeah, so see, Episode 2 I thought was really interesting in that way as well. And then Episode 3. Now this is where things start to get really sinister. I've kind of discussed it previously before with Palpatine, etc. And I love Palpatine whenever he turns up on screen, but I think this is one of the times where you really get his scheme. 
right? Because this isn't even necessarily about an empire. This isn't necessarily even about him controlling the galaxy. This is about him living forever. And it's funny because we always attribute that to Darth. Um, oh my gosh, I'm really doing bad with names today, Darth. Um, his master, oh my gosh. It's not coming to me. Why is it not coming to me? It's like one of the most... Darth Plagueis. There we go. I had to literally start playing the, the scene in my head. Um, Darth Plagueis. We, we know that that was Plagueis' concern, right? But what if it wasn't actually Plagueis' concern? What if it's a concern for all Sith, right? Because the whole idea of Sith is that they are... There's two of them. One will kill the other. The other will become stronger. Palpatine is essentially flouting the Sith rule in a way. He, he's trying to break the Sith code and become the ultimate being, so to speak, um, which is really interesting. I think that's why it fails in the end, because even Palpatine wasn't even just the, 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 the most successful Sith. He was beyond that. He was, trying to be, he was trying to be beyond that. He was trying to... His hubris was that, that he wasn't even a hub, like a, a Sith who thought he could do more. He was a guy who thought he could be more than a Sith. If that makes sense. Like, I think um, the Force isn't necessarily trying to stop the Sith. And I know a lot of people say, well, they are. I don't think so. I think you've got a situation where Palpatine is a Sith that has moved beyond his means. You know, why do they always come back? Why are the Jedi always there to stop them? Because that's the natural ebb and flow. Palpatine is trying to stop that ebb and flow altogether. He's trying to stop the ebb, stop the flow take over, control everything himself. And like, life itself. And other Sith have done this, and interestingly gone the same way, right? Sidious died because of it. That's kind of the Force kind of course-correcting course with Palpatine. Uh, again, the Force can work through the Sith just, just as much as it can through a Jedi. And as well, one of the Legends examples uh, from Star Wars Old Republic, Darth Vitiate, um, em sorry, em sorry, Emperor Vitiate, um, becomes Valkorion, and Valkorion is neither Sith nor Jedi. Uh, and that's his, like, eternal emperor form. He's, he's kind of, like, big, like, this is me, I am, I am, like, I will live forever. This is my, kind of, my assumed identity. And he dies for it. He is cast away forever, eventually, after numerous times of coming back. But So, I think there's an idea that, actually, these Sith are... are how do I put it? It's almost like... You have a perversion of Jedi into Sith. You have a perversion of Sith into like something that thinks it's above that, above the Force even, but it's not. It's almost like there's actually a sliding scale rather than just Jedi and Sith, which is always the case anyway, because you have good Jedi, bad Jedi. You have sort of pragmatic, good Sith. And then, you know, anyway, look at Lana Benico or Darth Maul if you want to see what a good Sith looks like. Anyway, with all that said, um, getting back on point, Palpatine is a really fun uh, addition. Uh, to, like he, He's been an addition to the show anyway. He's been a looming presence. But I th I'm really excited to see how that plays out. I really want to know which character or which um, individual is the one that they're producing a high M count in. Because is it Snoke? Is it some kind of... I, I hate even saying this because I feel like I'm latching on to like a million different weird hypotheticals, but some kind of Starkiller-esque thing. And but by the way, this story is basically ripped out of out of um, the Force Unleashed to a degree, right? 
um, that like the cloning and the cloning not happening and not working, and also from the Dark Empire comic, comic way back in the day, um, uh, and also a little bit of Joris. Uh, I, I hate the pronouncing of this name, Saboth. Saboth. Anyway, there's a lot of different things this is pulling from from Legends, but um, I'm really interested to see who it is. Is it? Um, I can't remember his name right now, but Palpatine's son that isn't force sense, like can't use the force, but has high, a high M count. Um, which will be interesting to see if he's going to become something of an interesting character that we can link to. Um, in between, have some kind of uh, uh, understanding of him aside from the book. Uh, oh gosh, the book's not coming to me now. Um, there's a book that came out not long ago with Lando and Luke, and um, something of the Sith. I can't remember it now, but it's a really good book, like one of my favorite books of Star Wars in recent time, and it really uh, changes the ri- the rise of Skywalker as as a movie as well. So it really feels like they're cause correcting the the rise of Skywalker a lot, and I'm kind of happy for that because I feel like I don't hate TROS. It's just that I feel like there's a lot of things that could have been done better across the trilogy that would have made those movies um, a little bit more smooth. But with all that said, um, I'm really enjoying the Bad Batch so far, and I've been super critical on it before, so take that as you will uh, i've really wanted to get where it's going and i think this is what it was always getting towards and i wish it had done it sooner i feel like bad batch could have maybe been two seasons long if they did this story really like hit the ground running with this story but that's okay that's fine i know sometimes you need t- time to breathe with characters you need a little bit more extra uh leeway with the audience before you can do these kind of bigger storylines you need them to love the characters i get that um but yeah with that said i think we'll leave it here for now guys Next week, we'll be back to discuss Dune Part 2. I just actually finished watching the first one um, because I didn't way back when it first released. And I'm also nearly finished with the book now, so I'm nearly caught up on Dune, um, ready for the movie next week. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for that one too. So keep an eye out, keep an ear out for that one. Thank you guys for listening slash watching as always. And I will see you guys very soon. Bye, guys.